and welcome to the Ravens a movie and TV show podcast. I'm Dom. And I'm Simon. And tonight's movie for debate is A Few Good Men. Colonel Jessup, did you order the code red? You don't have to answer that question. I'll answer the question. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Son, we live in a world that has walls, and those walls have to be guarded by men with guns. Who's gonna do it? You? You, Lieutenant Weinberg? I have a greater responsibility than you can possibly fathom. You weep for Santiago, and you curse the Marines. You have that luxury. You have the luxury of not knowing what I know, that Santiago's death, while tragic, probably saved lives, and my existence, while grotesque and incomprehensible to you, saves lives. You don't want the truth because deep down in places you don't talk about at parties. You want me on that wall. You need me on that wall. We use words like honor, code, loyalty. We use these words as the backbone of a life spent defending something. You use them as a punchline. I have neither the time nor the inclination to explain myself to a man who rises and sleeps under the blanket of the very freedom that I provide and then questions the manner in which I provide it. I would rather you just said thank you and went on your way. Otherwise, I suggest you pick up a weapon and stand a post. Either way, I don't give a damn what you think you are entitled to. Did you order the code red? I did the job. Did you order the code red? You're goddamn right I did! So welcome to The Ravens, a movie and TV show podcast where it's always 10.30 at night. It's time to grab the snacks from the sweet cupboard, move on upstairs and settle in. As tonight's movie for debate is 1992's A Few Good Men. I'm joined by the one, the only, Simon Simon, how the devil are you, my friend? <laughs> I'm good. I'm so excited to talk about this movie, particularly with you, because I know how much you love it. And we've been quoting this movie back and forth for years. Basically, since we since we started the podcast, it's felt like we've been destined to cover this film. So, yeah, I'm really excited to talk about it with you. How are you doing? I'm good, yeah, I'm really excited to do this. I don't know uh, really why it's taken us so long to get here. Um, Probably my fault, Uh, I'm less organised than you are. Um, But I'm glad we are here, and we've finally made it, and we're going to talk about this amazing film. And people might be thinking, 1992, that's a long time ago, so on and so forth. But yeah, it was a long time ago, but this film is fucking fantastic. Yeah. There's just no other way of describing it other than it is fucking fantastic. So if you haven't seen it and you happen to be listening to this podcast, we will ruin it for you. So beware of spoilers. But also just put us down, go and watch it. Mark out two hours of your day and just go and watch it. Honestly, it's well worth it. It's fantastic. Longer than two hours. I think it was like two, two hours and 20 minutes, something like that bit of a long one but it doesn't feel long it doesn't feel long and it's so well written i like it's so it must be one of the most tightly written scripts or movies that's so intricate in terms of the details like it's not the scenes are taking place in like it could be on stage right and i believe i read it was adapted from a theater show is that right yeah so it, it is originally a play right and so you can see that because it's so dialogue heavy 
but everything is set up and paid off so perfectly. I don't want to get too far ahead, but you know, so many little pieces, like with the pen, he's always looking for the pen, and so many little things that are set up earlier and pay off later. So good. But before we get there, we need to know histories, right? Yeah, uh, I guess so. Um, like, I know mine is always a bit bleak, and it is a bit bleak for this one. Like, bleak's probably not the word, right? right word it's mostly blank um but yeah so what's what's kind of your history with this film uh and where where did it all begin for you the, the love of a few good men it began late this was a late entry into my life so Ethany, my wife we i i asked her this earlier what her history was of it and she thought that she watched it for the first time with me and i definitely know i watched it for the first time with her so potentially <laughs> we watched it for the first time together <laughs> In the first apartment that we bought, which would have been after renting, which would have been about 2012, so about 10 years ago. So I would have watched it in my mid-20s. And I knew of it because of the famous line, you can't handle the truth. And I believe I was led to it because I was really was and am a big fan of the movie Men of Honor with Robert De Niro and Cuba Gooden Jr. Have you seen that one? Uh, where he's a diver. Yeah. Na- naval diver. Yes. Yeah. I really, really like that film. And particularly, I liked the, the speech that he gives, that Robert De Niro gives, when he's in the courtroom and Cuba Gooden's character has had a leg, his leg was like amputated Mm-hmm. And he, so he has like a prosthetic leg and he's having to have on the whole diver suit, you know, like the metal suit that's super heavy. And he has to walk 12 steps to sh- in the courtroom to show the jury, the judge, whoever, that he is able to wait there. And uh, Robert De Niro is like, he gets to the front and he's like, God damn it, I want my 12, you know, like hyping him up. And it's so, and he's like got tears rolling down his eyes. And of course, it will always make me cry. Now, this is a slight tangent, but in like 2012, that scene was not on YouTube. Like that scene of that clip Mm. from Men of Honor. And, but I wanted to watch it and I couldn't find it. So I ended up watching the whole movie again to see that bit and I ended up just standing in front of my TV and just recording it on my phone (laughs) like not very well like just recording that like two minute scene and I thought you know this not on YouTube I should do the world a service and just put it on YouTube so I put it onto YouTube and got 350,000 views (laughs) (laughs) amazing Right, and so, I mean, it's not like I did any of the work. I'm not Cuba Gooden Jr. or Robert De Niro or any of the film crew or any of that. But what was funny is they would be, I'd get, like, updates and emails about, like, the YouTube comments. And most of the comments are like, love this film, love this scene. And then some of the comments were aimed at me and at me as, like, the uploader. And there was nothing else, this, there was nothing else on my YouTube channel. It was just this one video. And some people were like thank you sir you've done us all a service by you know uploading this and whatever and i was thinking oh yeah people love me people love me and then some people would be like who's this loser that stood in front of his tv and recorded this with his phone you can kind of even see him in the reflection what a douchebag and i think but i did a service the other people said i did a good thing and you're (laughs) so it became this thing of where i'd like 
habitually check the comments to be like who's hating me or loving me now (laughs) anyway long story short (laughs) i think it was that film that then led me into well i want to see this movie because i think it was like on the related youtube banners from this video would be like if you enjoy this speech in a courtroom you'll probably enjoy this speech in a courtroom which is jack nicholson so i ended up watching the film with Ethany. loved it loved it i particularly just loved all of the exchanges between tom cruise and jack nicholson and just how good both of them were and are so that was what got me into it and then since then i've probably seen it like five or six times and every time i watch it i pick up pick up on an extra detail that i hadn't realized before like we were saying earlier of the intricacies of of the writing just how good it all is and like so when i watched it yesterday there was things i'd never picked up before like even like of course i knew about kathy's dad being this prolific lawyer but it was more like seeing the weight of it and how that really played in and yeah just amazing love it and love that we're able to talk about it now. Sorry, that went on for a bit long. What was your history? <laughs> well, uh, I don't remember the first time I watched it, but I remember it would have been like I remember it being at home. Um, my mum absolutely loves this film as well, so we always come across a film every now and then that my my mum loves, and uh, I think my dad will kind of sort of sit and watch it. Not not necessarily his kind of favorite but it's it's up there with like films that he will quite happily watch and i remember watching it uh with them once and thinking wow what a, what a brilliant film just fantastic just you know the the whole kind of courtroom drama element the fact that there isn't this weird love story through the middle that you kind of sort of expect from a hollywood film um even in that day and age you, you almost expect it and it isn't there uh we'll talk more about that in a little while and um just yeah the 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 kind of i guess the military element of it as well you know my favorite film being saving private ryan i know you know saving private ryan came out six years later but you know all films in that kind of genre are are you know definitely up there for me and ones that i love to watch and this is just brilliant the the acting is fantastic like you said the the dialogue the the way they handle it uh, just the performances everything everything about this film is is brilliant from from start to finish so enjoyable um and i've watched it i probably watched it six times last year <laughs> <laughs> really is so, that is that an exaggeration do you or do you honestly think you've seen it at that kind of volume yeah i've seen it a lot the funny thing is is that in this so with like with saving private ryan for example i can quote saving private ryan from start to finish uh, i could i could do the whole film for you right now um but with this film i can't it's only when talking about it that I remember things and go, yeah, this happens and that happens and that happens and that happens and, and like get further along. And it doesn't it doesn't stick in my brain as well as other films do. And I always wonder if it's because it's like actually quite kind of complicated, quite technically complicated in terms of like the language they're using. And it's actually like the legal terminology and all of that. And, you know, the, the lines aren't going to stick in my head It's the sort of thing I would need to um, you know, read or watch over and over again. I, I don't know. I'm not sure. But I. I genuinely watched it, uh, you know, about five or six times, like throughout last year, and we'll probably do the same this year, even after we've podcasted it. I had the inclination. No, I had the uh, 
I had the urge to watch it again tonight or I didn't I didn't have the time to watch it but to just list have it on in the background while doing other things um it is so good and something so from childhood my dad's favorite actor has always been Jack Nicholson and he loves Jack Nicholson and so I think I've always had that weight to Jack Nicholson of he is an amazing actor i mean when you're a kid you kind of just blindly go with whatever your parents say anyway but as you know i've have always and to this day idolized my dad so whatever he thought is like now that times a million um but it's 100 percent correct i mean jack nicholson is amazing in this and he he won the oscar for this did he uh nominated for best supporting actor uh i'm just trying to think if he was beaten to the win or not. And was Tom Cruise nominated? Because it's criminal if he wasn't nominated. Because his performance is outstanding. So good. Like he played, I mean, we'll talk about it, but he plays it so well. Plays that arrogant kind of entitlement perfectly, so... which is what ends up winning him the case. Let me just make sure. Let me look, let me look, let me look, let me look. So at the Academy Awards, it was nominated for Best Picture, Best Supporting Actor, which was Jack Nicholson, uh, Best Film Editing and Best Sound Mixing. Uh, and it didn't win any. Ah, oh, man. And so, Tom Cruise didn't even get a nomination. No. Man. Criminal. So what we need to do is watch the Oscars from 93, because that would have covered all the films from 92 to see who won we should do that we should revisit some oscars at some point who took it (laughs) i know joe pesci has the shortest oscar speech doesn't he he won best (laughs) yeah that's what he said he won best supporting in uh goodfellas and i think he Mm. said thank you it's an honor and just walked off genius that's what needs to be (laughs) doesn't halle berry have the longest well she certainly did do does she well she Maybe. certainly did because she cried for about 45 fucking minutes. What's that for? What was it called? Monsters, monster, something ball, monsters ball. Am I making that up? <sighs> no idea. Someone no will idea. tell us in the comments. <laughs> but okay, good. Yes. So how do you want to start? I don't mind. Like, I, th- The thing is with this film, I, I kind of assume that people have, have seen it. So do you want to go through it like character by character mix it up a bit or should we do the act one middle and like act two act three and go through the acts and kind of go from there is that the best way of doing it yeah maybe through maybe through the acts would be would be easier i would just note to begin with the opening credits where i'm sure you're gonna know the proper military terminology but where they're doing the stuff with the rifles and it's all like in orders it's like dominoes What's it called? You know what it's called. Uh, I actually don't know. <laughs> that thing. What are, They're doing like a demonstration of doing the rifles and it's all loading, unloading, but it's all in synchronization. So, right? Is that your favorite bit? <laughs> yeah. It's impressive. Um, it's kind of like drills like drills with the with the gun obviously but i there is a there is probably a set name for it but i can't remember what it's called but yeah it's just fantastic isn't it is there's just like apparently they're 
academy that is like a Texas Marine Academy, and 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 they're the ones that are that are doing all of that um, at, at the beginning. But we started there, there's even a bit before that because obviously we see what happens in Guantanamo Bay right at the beginning. To and we our have boy the, Willie, we have the music, do, 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 which is just like perfect, isn't it? Just that <laughs> do, 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 do. it's really dainty but like kind of serious at the same time, sort of bit of music, and then dun. <laughs> yeah. It's horrible, though. Our poor, poor Santiago. Yeah, I mean, do you want to tell us what happens at the beginning? Do you want to you cover that bit into the the guys doing their drills with the weapons? Yeah, well, our boy Willie's just in bed, you know, sleeping, and he has a code red, which we later will find out to mean that he essentially was being punished for lag you know lagging behind on on runs and his barracks not being organized and general uh you know things that are pulling back the unit and Dawson and Downey are they rough him up um they tie his hands and feet and they stuff a, a rag into his mouth and uh you know tape over his mouth and that's kind of how it begins and obviously later we find out that that he died from that yeah we we see all the scenes kind of of Guantanamo Bay so like the shots and the images and uh it's the only time we really hear his voice isn't it because he's narrating over the top because it's him like we're hearing him read his letter to um the like and I think they're called NIS then but NCIS now um which is the naval criminal investigating service investigation service uh and they uh and it's and it's him saying like i want to transfer i want to transfer um i could even right well, i don't maybe he's not writing to them he's writing to someone to get him a transfer to like a senator or something maybe i'm not sure maybe i've got that wrong anyway he's writing a fucking letter um and it's him saying i want to transfer I can't, you know i can't do this this that and the other he's he can't get out of there he's kind of stuck he's trapped um but to to be able to get the transfer i would happily you know trade some information with you of a fence line shooting and that's kind of where this all begins and then yes we then see um downey and dawson go into the room basically tie him up rough him up a bit and um go to i think like shave his head was what they were going to go in and do and he ends up having a reaction and dies as a result of what's going on. And then we feed into the... <laughs> Which is brilliant. I mean, just like, as two opening scenes. How opposite are they as well? Just like, mm-hmm. the, just the fact that they completely juxtapose should we say yes. one another you know one's really serious and you kind of think oh is this sort of setting the tone of the film here and then it's just a complete change and you see this kind of upbeat um almost like they're kind of passing out parade but it isn't that you know when they like f- become fully fledged marines um and they're yeah just showing off their skills with their their weapons and you see them kind of on parade and marching and stuff and then yeah then we see it kind of migrates over to Joanne, doesn't it? Where we first meet uh, Joanne Galloway, who's played by Demi Moore. Which, who is great in this, and a, a great uh, opposition, I guess, to begin with, with Tom Cruise, his character, Kathy, and 
and their relationship is wonderful and our boy lieutenant weinberg is so good as well when i know he doesn't come in yet when he comes in a little bit later there's so many people in this obviously kevin bacon cuba gooden jr does arrive later for a, a scene in the courtroom obviously jack nicholson uh Kiefer sutherland is in it mm-hmm. so many yeah. so many people it's just that the the names it, like in this film are, are crazy and uh for some of them it was their their first film so you know the guy um jack nicholson calls into the off call he says tom call the president and tell him you know he um that's joshua uh molina and he's like huge now kevin bacon like you said jack nicholson tom cruise demi moore Kiefer sutherland kevin pollock who plays sam cuba good jr pollock, yeah. um jt walsh who's um um Lieutenant Colonel Markinson. Marcus Markinson, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, Noah Wiles in it, who's the corporal um, that gets kind of interviewed. Uh, is that, he's, is that... He's the one that picks them up in the in the, in the the Jeep, like from the from the airport sort of thing. He was in ER, like for is, a long time. Is that, who's, are you saying, no, 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 there must be someone different. Who's, or is it the same guy? Who's the guy that's, um, is being interviewed and, and Tom Cruise is saying... Can you open the book and show me where you go to get your, uh, you know, where you get dinner from? And so I guess I just followed the crowd at chow time. Yeah, that that's him. Yeah, he's in. He's yeah, in yeah. ER. Yeah, um, and yeah, just just loads and loads of people in it. Uh, I mean, if people went and just looked at the cast list alone, it would be like worth watching just for that. Um, uh, and it is amazing. Yeah, the, like the fact that there's only really other than kind of background additional. Um, actors and stuff there's only really one female lead which is Demi Moore other than that we don't really come across that many other women mm. there's the there's the secretary that she sees when she goes to see the captain which is right at the beginning so basically as we meet Demi Moore she's walking through we meet like Lieutenant Commander Joan Galloway she's walking through on her way to see her boss the, the captain of whatever of the like her unit I suppose um, and they basically bring in this case that, of this incident that's happened in Cuba to Washington, and she wants to kind of appeal to be um, the main like attorney um, on the docket, sort of thing. Um, but her, you know, commanding officer turns around and says, "No, you know, because she's not right." It's taking advice from the two people. But even this interaction, when we get here, it, it's the the tone of the film has changed you know from this really serious thing where we we witness this person um being kind of tied up and you know their mouth is gaffer taped and a rag shoved in their gob and you know quite it seems quite brutal and they die and you see blood pouring out his mouth and it's like really like quite sad and almost distressing to this point where she is walking through she's allowed to go in like they're expecting you commander she goes in she she stands there and he goes you know take a seat um, commander and she's like oh no I'm okay so I was like just sit down makes her sit down says okay can you go out and get you know go and get yourself a cup of coffee oh no I'm fine sir no go out so we can talk about you behind your back you know there's all these little bits and it just turns it into like more of a kind of comic feel um, which you really don't expect especially if you're a first time watcher you think oh this film is going to be quite serious and then all of a sudden it's it's it feels a bit more upbeat even though like the subject matter is quite serious or very mm-hmm. serious it's about you know a murder Mm-hmm. yeah for sure it, it it balances the line well and i mean if you look towards the end of the movie it climaxes 
in a very serious way and is the uh, back and forth is nothing but drama but it does lighten itself with some of these more comedic moments and they do they are sprinkled throughout the movie as well particularly when from Tom Cruise's character as well like he can bring a lot of comedic moments balanced from uh, Lieutenant Weinberg so yeah I think that's an astute observation my friend um, and apparently um, Demi Moore like really negotiated to be in the film she'd been in three films previously that had all tanked and done really badly and she was like I need to get like things back on track and really like push to be in this film so she actually dropped like the, um, the amount of money she was asking for to be in or all, all that was being offered um, I think they were offering three million for like the because it's the main female lead and she was like, I'll take two million to be in it because she was up against uh, Jodie Foster and mm. uh, Linda Hamilton. And then, you know, Linda Hamilton from Terminator. Terminator. Yeah. yeah. So she was she was up against those two. And she was like, I'll take like a million less to be in it because she, she had like a good feeling about it and thought, you know, Tom Cruise and Jack Nicholson, it's going to be huge film. So I, I want to be part of this, but I'll take less money to be in it because, you know, I don't, I, I don't want to lose out to those two like kind of mega stars because mm. they'd almost be a shoe in for it as well. Yeah, def- I could see both of them in that role definitely. Mm. So yeah, good move. Yeah. Sometimes you gotta just you know lower your uh, your ego and just go for it. Yeah, gotta take a plunge. I mean, she's still got two million out of it. <laughs> yeah, so. she's all right. She did all right. She's she doing right. okay. <laughs> she's probably got a bit on the back end as well. She's doing all right. Got a few points, you know. <laughs> do you do you want to know how much Jack Nicholson got out of it, or do you want to come back mm, to him? No, let's talk about. It. We're talking about money. Let's talk. Can I guess? Yeah, yeah. Please, please, please. Well, I'm imagining that this wasn't a high budget movie. Like, I'm sure it, you know, made obviously it did well and made money but it's not like a, a terminator we, or something should we, should we do the budget of the whole film as well so we, do, sure. we, we can talk about the budget of the whole film and then we can talk about how much jack nicholson made out of it mm-hmm. and then we can talk about how much it's taken all together do you want okay. to do that sure yeah so hazard a guess so hazard a guess at the the whole film to begin with the budget yeah i'm gonna say 27 million it's not a bad guess, not bad. It's actually, well, it's actually labelled or marked as 33 to 40 million. Okay. So 27 is not bad, but if you consider the actors that are in it, that's, you know, it's a big okay. chunk of money. So okay, we're in, a, okay. let's say we're in the 40 million mark. That's the maximum that they're going to go to. What do we think then Jack I, Nicholson made out of it? Well, then I think our boy Jack probably got like seven. <sighs> bit much, bit expensive. But Five? He di- he did walk away with five million. I was gonna say five, but then, but then, I'd said twenty-seven and a half or whatever. So when you said the budget was more, I was like, okay, maybe Jack got more out of this. <laughs> so, how long would it take for us to earn five million pounds, for example? A long time. A lifetime, probably. That that's us combined together. Probably more than a lifetime. I would have thought. It took Jack Nicholson 10 days. He only filmed on this for 10 days. 10 days. And wow. one, one day he was asked to come back to do some reshoots, which was an 11th day. And he said, I love acting. I'd have just, I'd have just done it. Do you know what I mean? 
I, I'm happy to I'm I'm happy to do it. I love my job, so I, I'm happy to do it. And apparently, just said yeah, uh, like don't like because they were worried about asking him to come back and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they turned around and he said, no, no, it's fine. I'll come back. I'm I'm really happy to do it. Like, That's crazy. Like, so he was amazing. getting paid half a million a day. Exactly that. <laughs> and then he did the eleventh for free. Why not? And then yeah, I, I was probably just a morning, you know, knowing him, just get dressed up, shout at. Tom Cruise and bugger off again. Well, right, because if you think about it, really, he is only in like three scenes. Like, I mean, I know he's, I know he must be in more, but three, the three predominant scenes I can think of is when he has the meeting. We'll talk about it with Kiefer Sutherland and Markinson. You say, is that how you say it, Markinson? He has yeah. the meeting with them, and then he has the the sit down lunch with tom cruise and demi moore and kevin pollock and then the courtroom scene like i know he must have some other bits in between but they're like the three major scenes that he's in Mm -hmm. in fact are there other scenes that we're not thinking of uh that's kind of it and he earned five million (laughs) dollars for that three three scenes i mean it's a big impact on them scenes but it's almost like in you know in silence of the lambs that actually anthony hopkins was only on screen for like nine minutes and he won an oscar i think that i think he holds the record or he did at one point for the shortest amount of screen time for winning an oscar for acting so tom cruise who had the most amount of screen time do you know how much he got or has he guess? you'd imagine he's got to have got paid more than jack nicholson because he's done more but it is early on Tom Cruise's career. He was still probably a draw. Uh, seven? I'm pointing up, which means higher. Ten? A little bit more. Eleven million. He got $12.5 million. Wow. In well, but 1992. That... Yeah, we like say wow. We, <laughs> sound, we say wow now, but that's because... But we went through the era of 20 million a film right for um mm. i mean not tom cruise way more than that he got i think he got over 100 million for one of the mission impossibles because he produced it and he said that he didn't want a salary he wanted a percentage and Smart. there you go and it is <laughs> i mean with mission impossible it is him you're going to watch what is the crazy stunt that tom cruise is going to do this time have you seen what he's doing for the newest one yeah, with the motorbike that. over the mountain. Yeah, I saw a video clip of it. He's just insane, isn't he? And, and like all the parachuting that he's got to do and training to do that, and it's it's great. He's he is crazy. He's got but to he, be. He's actually he is actually the last real action star. Like he is mm. for real doing this stuff. I mean, like yeah. So I watched the whole like there's a whole ten minute thing on YouTube about that about him doing all the practicing and all of the things and he did it like so he's done it thousands of times in practice and then he did it for real like like 10 times going off this mountain on the motorbike off the motorbike free falling and then into the parachute no who else is doing that nobody else is like i love the rock i love the rock don't get me twisted but the rock is an action star but he's not doing that Arnie no. wasn't doing that. Stallone wasn't doing that, you know, in the in their prime. Willis. And this man is, yeah, and this man's 60 years old. <laughs> well, Tom Cruise is 60. 
and he's doing that now. He's been hanging off the side of planes. He was on, I've forgotten what it's called, the, the tallest building in Dubai, and he's just on the, like hanging on the top of it with no ropes, no nothing. He can drive helicopters, uh, planes, everything, trains and automobiles. He can do <laughs> it all. And he is an amazing, amazing actor that does not get enough credit for his actual acting ability every anything that he's in he's just so watchable he's so charismatic i know that people can have issues with his religious beliefs and you know things like that but i don't think he's not hurting anybody and uh like tom i don't know i people can have their opinions I, all i can say is my opinion of him is I think he's fucking awesome, and I really like <laughs> I really like him. Any in every interview I've seen him in, I just think, wow, this guy is amazing. It, people talking about him are always saying he always remembers everybody's name. He makes a point of going around and speaking to everyone. He has time for everyone, and he genuinely loves making movies. And he's always thinking about the audience when he's making them. And it's so cool to then watch a movie like this, A Few Good Men where you can see it's before all of the action. I mean, who would have thought that this guy would become the number one action star in the world? I mean, it's not like so far-fetched, but this is a dramatic role that he kills. It's a slam dunk. Like, yeah, Jack Nicholson is always going to be remembered for the courtroom speech, which Mm -hmm. is also amazing. I I love it. I watched it on YouTube so many times. Probably this and the and Denzel's speech at the end of training day I've watched more than anything else from a film (laughs) Um, but Tom Cruise is the perfect scene partner that sets it all up and it really is the star of the movie in more than one way to me so I'm I'm glad he got his 12 and a half he earned it in my opinion (laughs) there you go Simon's love for Tom Cruise amazing did you know do you have a did you know about my love for him it's not like Nicolas Cage level, but it's pretty far up there. <laughs> I didn't know. No, I wasn't aware. But like, what are your top two, three Tom Cruise films? Like obviously this, this one. This. Um, I love all the Mission Impossible movies. Uh, oh, I really? think they're better. I think they're better movies than the James Bond movies. I I, I, I think they're better James Bond movies than the James Bond movies. That, that, but to say that, I really enjoyed the last one, A Time to Kill, was really good. Um, but I still like the, the, you know, the Ethan Hunt over the top. So don't hate on me in the comments. I do also like James Bond films, but I read some ones that you wouldn't expect. And I think kind of get slept on. I really like night and day with Tom Cruise and Cameron Diaz. I know it's a comedy. It's kind of silly, but I like it. But it's something that you don't like often expect from him. And he does really Mm. well as well. He's just got that funny edge about him as well, hasn't he? Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, what else? I think what else comes to mind? What other Tom... Oh, um, Live, Die, Repeat is so good. Have you seen that? Uh, I Ed, haven't, Ed, no. The Edge of Tomorrow is also lots cool. Of, lo- like, lots of people like rave about it. Oh, you would love that film, man. You <laughs> would love that. It's, it's very you. It's very you. Um it's military, but in the future. So, put Star Trek and Saving Private Ryan together, baby. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> uh, uh, Rain, yeah, so Rain Man. 
Oh, Rayman. Yeah, I need to rewatch that. But yes, love that. I yeah, I really. Oh, one of my all-time favorite films, Jerry Maguire. Mm-hmm. That's I just a, quote that's a great I, film. I, I Cuba Gooden Jr. again. I just quoted that earlier to someone, and they didn't get the reference, and it like lessened my opinion of them. <laughs> they said <laughs> you're fired. <laughs> <laughs> they said something like, uh, "You know, we just need them to help us to help whatever." And I went, "Help me, help you, help me, help." you and i didn't do it so dramatically but he didn't get it i thought well it's a shame they don't get your help now (laughs) yeah sorry i've gone too over the top with tom cruise tell me tell me your opinion of tom cruise in and out of the spotlight as well as some of your favorite tom cruise movies well I, i didn't realize how early the scientology stuff started um, with him because I know, I know we're not really going to talk about that much because again I don't really care as long as he's not really hurting anyone it, it's fine I know, but I know it's a bit you know it's said to be I'm not going to say it is but it's said to be a bit like a cult and a bit scary um, and, and impossible to leave but you know aren't they all aren't all religions that way um, so <laughs> they're all um, a bit cultish in their own way sc- yeah, pretty much. Yeah, um, and, and like some of the equipment they used for this film um, was from like the Church of Scientology and stuff. Oh, he was really? Like, yeah, yeah, let's, let's let's use all this because he he had access to it all and stuff. Oh, I didn't so, know that either. That it was this early. Yeah, yeah. Which which really surprised me when I uh, read that. Um, but yeah, uh, like I I think he's he's got some great films. Like the the Mission Impossible films are, are really, really good. The first one's the only one that really kind of sticks in my mind. Rain Man, this film, obviously. Um, is it the Jack Reacher film? Like, oh, yeah. Like, is it, there's a few of them, I think, but the the first one of them's uh, pretty good. Um, and yeah, he can just, he's just got that range. I mean, Top Gun would be remiss to not mention Top Gun, I think. Uh, and the, the latest Top Gun, I went to see the latest Top Gun in the cinema. Uh, I took uh, my girlfriend and she'd never seen the original Top Gun and it, it didn't really matter. And she was like, this film was brilliant. It's it was so a really, good. Really good film. It's it was, so it good. It's a great film. And he was doing yeah. it for real. Like He was actually, you know, like driving. Do you call it driving? Piloting? Flying. flying. <laughs> he was flying <laughs> the the jets and everything. It's crazy. Yeah, he's a nutbag. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, but he's a very good one. So, but I, I think A Few Good Men is is almost certainly my favourite film that he's in of his. Yeah, without so a doubt. Good. Well, because he plays the role so well of being, he's having to play smug and arrogant and uh, entitled, thinks he's better than everyone, but in a, but in like a lovable way, and that ultimately is what wins him the case. Yeah, be- so because it pisses off. <laughs> the colonel I mean, so much by this point in the film we have uh, so by the by by the time joe galloway has has talked to her captain captain said you're not going to be lead counsel we'll assign someone get someone from division it turns out to be um kathy so he, you know he's um be given this case it gets handed to him in their morning briefing um and he's got to kind of figure stuff out and then he just goes back to to playing softball bearing in mind that we've already seen him playing softball when another lieutenant approaches so we use the american terminology because obviously in the uk would say lieutenant but uh, it's an american film so we say le- uh, lieutenant um approaches screaming at him uh about uh a charge where you know his client had tried to buy 
um, some marijuana, but it turned out to be uh, oregano or oregano. And yeah, he said, you can't, you can't charge my client for that, you know, just because he's an idiot, you know, that kind of thing. So that's already happened once. And Joe Galloway goes to meet him and meets him kind of um, practicing softball. And just the interaction between them, he's joking, you know, um, kind of he misses the ball and says, you know, we need to practice. And she's like, that's not funny. She's like, come on, you know, and he thinks he's funny. She really doesn't think he's funny. She's very sort of straight laced. We've got to do things the right way. It took her two years. Um, she's like in two years, she managed to finish two cases because she's just overly detailed. Um, whereas he's done 44 and is one away from a set of steak knives that he says. And, you know, um, she calls him an ambulance chaser. Uh, yeah. And that set of steak knives reference, that is like a perfect example to what gets called back later when she's like, I'm sorry, I lost you a set of steak knives when they think they're going to lose the case so it's like there's just amazing writing like it's so well written for so many little payoffs like that that sometimes you don't even realize until repeat viewing and i love films like that yeah even the moment where she she says have you ever seen the inside of a courtroom and then later on they're in the courtroom and he goes well this is what a courtroom looks like you know there's just all those bits and it's like little callbacks to previous lines and and stuff which is just fantastic and it's even from that point right early on you mentioned it kind of early already where the the his commanding officer kind of throws a pen at him so that because he hasn't got one on him and then you know he needs another one and then later on she gives him a pen and he's always missing a pen basically he's just useless um but uh, he's you know he's really good at settling uh, and coming to a, an agreement and I think it's because he's you know stubborn and he knows the law and his his dad is who his dad is and just sort of like litigation is is his thing and yeah um he's just a bit of a pro at it there's one line there where she's really laying into him and he's kind of sitting on the bench and he's like wow commander I'm sexually aroused. <laughs> and she's like, oh my God. <laughs> like, how she didn't knock him out, I do not know, but yeah. Well, I mean, it only gets worse with comments like that later from Jack Nicholson, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> yeah. But we'll get to that. Well, um, but also on repeat viewing, you realise, and well, it's said later in the film, that it was given to Kathy on purpose, or implied anyway, because they wanted a lawyer that's going to go for the plea rather than this ever seeing the inside of a courtroom as a case yeah exactly he's he's the man that's going to just make this go away nice and quickly without there being any real digging into you know what's happened he's just going to negotiate with um you know the you know the kind of the the lawyer so the the government which would be kevin bacon um and basically give them their offers you know you do 12 years you'll be out in six you know thanks very much see you later you know considering your two marines have just killed another marine um accidentally or not you know you've, you've just been given 12 year sentence and then you get discharged at the end of like six with good behavior which it's crazy because it go it starts at 12 years out in six years and eventually gets down all the way to six months like later so it's crazy how just having the right lawyer asking the right questions could be the difference between so much time. Um, but also, I really, really like that they don't make Kevin Bacon an antagonist. They make mm-hmm. him likable the whole way through, even though, generally speaking, in these kind of films, you would expect that 
you know, they're the bad guy, they're on the wrong side of it. Though they don't do that in My Cousin Vinny, which is another film we need to watch. Lane Smith's mm. character remains cool as well because they're just doing their job. But I, re- I really like Kevin Bacon and Tom Cruise's chemistry as actors. They, they have great chemistry together. But also their whole relationship in that it's kind of like sport to them. It's It's just what they do and but they also have a respect for each other so i think that's a that's a really great relationship yeah and in in a strange way like kevin bacon exactly like you said isn't you you don't hate him you can and he's almost on uh danny's side he's almost like you know if, if i tell you this you know i want you to accept it but also um you know i i don't put me just because i wear the same uniform of those people don't you know put me in the same you know conversation as them i'm nothing like them you know i might be a marine but i'm not you know a murderer and i'm not going to go do this that and the other and and uh, i think the back and forth between them like you said is great uh and obviously their love of sport helps and they obviously play each other at softball and um yeah uh, he has his moment doesn't he where he kind of wants to scream at him about the case but obviously can't because they're in a public place so just says (laughs) you're a lousy fucking softball player jack and that's it and he's just like your boys aren't gonna win and it kind of even then looks like he's talking about softball to the rest of the people in the bar where he screams it, you know, and mm-hmm. has that moment. Yeah, it's great. I love it. Because we've all had those frustration moments as well where <laughs> just it's such a arbitrary thing to make an insult about. It's perfect. Yeah. Uh, one thing we didn't mention was how much the film uh, has taken in box office, kind of. So do you want to hazard a guess? I don't think it would have, like, been crazy but i think it would have done well just just alone on like the star power and there's less films coming out in that you know in the early 90s there's less competition so i think i'm gonna say 130 million it's a good guess if it's a good guess if we add um 113 million on top of that jeez (laughs) it made 243 million dollars which That's is good. crazy, isn't it? Considering, again, that there's no, like... It is all courtroom drama, isn't it? And it's them figuring out what they're going to do in the courtroom. It, there's no fighting. There's no, you know, like, um, romance or sex scenes or whatever, anything like that. And it's, yeah, mad. So apparently the the studio had originally asked uh, the writer, so um, Aaron Sorkin, or Aaron Sorkin, but it was Aaron Sorkin, um, who wrote this... Um, play um, kind of took it to the studios and stuff and uh, you know got commissioned and they were going to make it and the studio came back to him and said we want you to put in a sex scene between um, Danny and Joanne so like Kathy and Galloway and he wrote it in he actually wrote that scene in and there there was no relationship there was no nothing there was it was literally just a scene of them like having sex like everything boils down to it they, they're just gonna jump in bed together and there there wasn't any real reason for it so rob uh reiner who directed the film and i think you'd recognize rob reiner for, if you saw him he's in quite a lot of films and has directed a lot as well um if you don't know by the way um he turned around saw that bit in it and went no to throw the whole thing in the bin and start again i cut that out just 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 put it back to how it was because he'd seen the play so he'd seen the play really liked it 
wanted to kind of be involved in making the film you know even Tom Cruise went to see the play before he was in it and yeah um just said he's he's not having it. it doesn't it doesn't need to happen they don't need to have this random romantic scene or not even romantic of just put in this love scene for no reason um so it didn't make it in which i i think is really good because you get the glances between them you've got that awkwardness that weirdness they go out on the date um that isn't a date you know and they're talking about you know their cases and and you know where they started and how they've come up and got to where they've got to it doesn't need to go beyond that you know they've kind of got a few glances here and there but actually i think he enjoys staring at jake Jake nicholson jack nicholson more than more than her (laughs) yeah no i I agree it's good that they took it out because it's it's not necessary it would have just Mm. been box ticking really and exactly it's not adding anything to the story and that's not what the story is based around it's uh based around well, it's actually really interesting if we get to it. I mean, maybe now's probably not the time to get to it, but to talk about the whole Code Red thing because um, it is obviously wrong and terrible, um, but you can kind of see the perspective of people within that unit of that that is the culture that has been... they've been conditioned to be within... And so, and obviously, firstly, I'm like the, <laughs> I I am not military, I don't know what the right word is, uh, you know, I am a very peaceful person and wish that no military existed anywhere and that everyone was just peaceful and enjoyed peace and zero violence. Um so I, you know, I think this is is terrible that this exists. I assume it's based on probably has actually happened and probably loosely has it had did exist in the military at some point. Uh, but it's an interesting perspective that they're just following an order and that the order has been done to try and keep people in line. But oh, I won't say it, but it's a great resolution to. Harold's last line or one of his last lines that he says to Downey um yeah we'll we'll get to it Mm -hmm. yeah uh I mean uh to to kind of touch on the you know the 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 story and the the kind of the background of why this got written so Aaron Sorkin was apparently wrote this all on napkins he was um worked in a bar in a theatre and um, had spoken to, I believe it was his sister, forgive me if that's wrong, but I believe it was his sister who was part of the JAG Corso, the uh, Judge Advocate General, uh, and was a, a lawyer in the Navy, and had told him of a case where someone from uh, in the Marines had um, uh, got hurt, like severely hurt, not died from hazing, uh, essentially. So I think Code Red might be fictional like made up for this but it was like hazing where they'd been um kind of tied down to their bed and then like severely beaten by the rest of the unit basically for fucking up and it went to court and um you you know some people got like marines got in trouble for it and like some were acquitted and and what have you um so he got the idea from that and kind of wrote it from that and would write it on napkins take the napkins home type it up and then next day go back to the bar write more napkins go back to you know home type it up and so on and then yeah it just became like this massive 
sort of success from from a play to a screenplay to a to a hugely successful film and he went on to write loads of other stuff as well but you know kind of notably he he wrote the west wing and um all the scenes you know all the scenes where they were like walking down corridors and stuff in the west wing i'm sure i've i've never watched it fully but I've, you know you see all these clips and it's always referenced in in other shows and stuff like even michael in the office references it at one point he's walking around the office and you know stanley cancel all my meetings today you know that sort of thing and stanley doesn't got a clue what he's talking about well um the reason he does that is because rob reiner um basically the directed the film put a walking scene in the in the film so there's a scene where they where jack's meant to be talking to them who's kevin bacon is meant to be talking to danny and they're meant to be sat in an office and he's like no no i don't want you to sit in the office come out and we're going to walk and he walked and moved the camera so um aaron sorkin has written a scene in in everything he's done that has walking in it now mm. because he he loved it so much so like that's that's where that comes from nice Walking and talking. Well, it does add more, doesn't it? It feels more, keeps you more alert, I think, if two people are just sat down having a conversation. so And there is a lot of sitting, if you think, in the courtroom. I guess you have Kathy and Kevin Bacon's character walking around as they're doing their questioning, but a lot of the time people are stationary, so it makes sense to add some movement. Uh, and just one other random little fact for you. The, the guy that plays... Uh, Dawson so like the of the two marines that are accused of of murder um, he's played by Wolfgang Bodison who was a location scout on the film until Rob Reiner looked at him and said you look like a marine I think you should play the part and gave him the part he wasn't even an actor this is his first acting credit wow did he go (laughs) on to be did he go on to do other stuff yeah, he's gone on to, to to do like loads of other things, mostly TV appearances, like one-offs here, there, and everywhere. But um, he's done some other films, and he's still doing stuff now. I think he's in something that's due to come out this year. You know? Wow! So, well done, Amazing. him. Amazing! Yeah. <laughs> well, both of the Marines are brilliant as well. The acting performances are brilliant, um, and particularly when we get to it. Um, a bit later the um, Dawson's contempt for Kathy in that he's not um, he doesn't respect him as a marine because he's come into that world doesn't he and it's almost like he doesn't quite respect it or sees it as silly that that they would so blindly follow orders and things like that and so it's great to have that resolution towards the end yeah and, and i guess that's kind of the the point of of the three so the three of them are put together you've got you, you know danny joanne and um sam they're all thrown together to kind of do the research figure it out kind of know what their case is going to be are they going to settle are they not you know everyone's expectation is that they'll settle and that the noise will go away and that you know um colonel jessup who's you know going to be the you know head of something um you know national security uh, will just kind of be untouched and unscathed and we can just move on and it's only these two marines that have made this stupid mistake that are kind of at fault for it so they're, they're all kind of thrown together you have the the two kind of navy boys that are you know don't really get it uh, and you can see that 
from Sam's point of view, it's like these two guys picked on another guy that like that was weaker than them, and it almost like he's saying, "Oh, well, that happened to me a lot." You know, that's kind of why I joined the Navy, but, you know, I'm also a lawyer. So I'm doing it for, for those reasons. And I want to defend people that can't defend themselves. I don't want to defend people that kill people that can't defend themselves. That's almost kind of the point, I, I think, of his character that he's making. Then you've got Kathy, exactly like you said, who is kind of there to, you know, be a bit charming and a bit silly. And he can, he kind of gets his way, doesn't he? Um, you know, we we know that from the 44 you know, cases that he's settled and he's kind of always got his way, one more steak knives, so on and so forth. And then you've got um, Galloway, who's like kind of obsessed with it and is more about the military and that way of life and that they put themselves at risk for other people. And that's something to be, um, you know, proud of and, and kind of seek inspiration from it. And, you know, rather than sneer at it, let's, you know, kind of support that. So it was really interesting that we have like these contrasting characters that are thrown together to try and prove some kind of innocence, even though we know they've, you know, killed this person. They were ordered to do what they did. Um, And that's the whole point of the film, really, isn't it? Yeah. Well, yeah. Well put. Well analyzed. And each of them have really memorable lines in proving their point of perspective. So like there were Demi Moore's characters saying something like um about them being protectors and saying they'll stand on a wall and say not on my watch you know that they're there to protect you and when i heard that i mean obviously i've heard it loads but when i heard it yesterday it's like yeah you can really feel that like hey these guys are heroes and then kevin pollock's character lieutenant weinberg is saying you know they picked on a weakling and you know this that and the other and the way he said it and his delivery on it was so good it was like yeah i feel that as well like Mm. they're supposed to be protecting him not you know treating him like this and then kathy when they're challenging him to take this to court take a chance make an argument like say something do something and he's saying we'll lose like i know the law you know and the way he sort of shouts it so good like all of them but in such stellar performances it's wonderful and i think because of that you can watch it over and over again if any of them if there was any weak links then it wouldn't function as a film because you'd get bored because it is a lot of dialogue and yeah and but and the story is wonderful but it's the performances that bring it to life and that get you invested yeah absolutely just that the way they have that back and forth and and control of the dialogue as well and and control of everything that they're saying and they seem to understand it and believe it and it you know just all comes out in the right way it's just fantastic so it's i'm quite happily at the end of this podcast go and watch it again like you know i watched it earlier today and i'd quite happily watch it twice in one day i think it's that good (laughs) that's how much of a good film it is so like like let, let's kind of move on let's let's progress forward a little bit so the the kind of uh, this little legal team have met their you know the people that they're defending their defendants um and then we're, we're starting to head to towards going to court the judge comes in the judge just seems to just hate everyone which is fantastic um and yeah they plead uh not guilty goes to trial we get to trial but they they spend basically three weeks 
preparing for the trial. It's like night and day, 20 hour days working through together, you know, whiteboard, uh, whiteboards, there's a chalkboard, there's notepads, there's paper everywhere. There's, you know, legal books, there's everything. And they're working their asses off to, to basically get it, get it right. And if you want anything to eat, you better bring it because all I have is Yahoo. Yeah, uh, it's a Yoohoo and Cocoa Puffs, I think he says. Yes. Yeah. What What I really love, one of my favorite lines is so. Sam at one point tries to get out of it, doesn't he? He says, "You know, um, you've got you've got Galloway. You don't need me. That we don't. You don't need three of us on this case." And Kathy basically like convinces him to stay and says, "You know." please you know you're better research you're better at setting up a, a witness than i am you know i need you so please don't go um and he kind of goes quiet and there's like this really contemplative moment where he's really quiet just sitting there and joanne storms in she's got chicken um chicken she's got chinese in her hand and she's like okay right i thought you know we'd, we'd eat first and then we can like get down to business and sort of thing it's kind of like their first night of really digging into the case and one of my favourite lines is just the way uh, Kevin Pollock says it is, got any Kung Pao chicken? It's just the way he says chicken. It's just like the perfect way of saying chicken. I wish I could say chicken like him. Well, practice and you can. Let's, let's hear it. <laughs> you got any Kung Pao chicken? <laughs> I, need, sounds, I need to watch. <laughs> sounds sounds good to me. I mean, go, yeah, just start, just start doing that in your everyday life. What kind of sandwich do you want? Chicken. There you, you got any Kung Pao chicken? <laughs> yeah, there you go. Perfect, yeah. perfect. There you go. And this is where we also get the his thinking with the bat. He's always holding the bat. And and that's got such a great payoff later in the movie when she put the bat in the closet and then he goes to his closet and sees all his clothes organised and remembers that Santiago's closet and clothes were all organised. So why wasn't he packed? And, and it's so good when he's saying to, you, to Jack Nicholson you made three phone calls and and you were coming here for one day he was leaving for the rest of his life I could watch that whole courtroom scene over and over again like from mm. the beginning like the whole from when Jack Nicholson enters we'll get to it I'm going ahead sorry no no it's good just yeah the marines opening the doors and he's like bowling in bowled as brass thinks why the fuck am I here do you not know who I am and how important I am and yeah stakes is clean doesn't he all you did is weaken a country today Kathy <laughs> that's my favourite line as well that's just, they're all brilliant I, I, I sat there watching it thinking like about the judgments at the end when we come to our judgments and we're deciding what you know what who we're going to put where and, and what we're going to decide um, I've I, I, picking a line i found really difficult obviously there's an obvious line that we you know that we'll go through in a little while but i i there's just so many lines in it i thought that is a fantastic line that is a fantastic line oh that's a fantastic line you know the scenes in guantanamo you know well like it wasn't actually guantanamo obviously but when they go to cuba just just all of it you know like when they're in the 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 like jeep thing when they've been picked up and they're wearing white and He's like, good call, Sam. You know, just all these bits. It's just little moments because Sam's told him to wear, you know, his navy whites because it's hot. And if you're in white, you, you're not going to be as hot. Whereas, you know, Joanne was smart. She wore like the, the khaki colour. Um, and yeah, they get they get told to wear camouflage jackets as they're driving down because they drive close to the fence line and some Cubans might think they're important and take a few shots at them. There you go. 
and he says he's go. getting on a boat and he is upset about it and she's like you're in the navy for christ's sake Cappy. <laughs> yeah so good so we good. don't like her much <laughs> yeah we don't like her much what does he say he's like uh just yes sir yeah yes sir something like that yeah <laughs> just okay agrees. yeah just agree like, yep. <laughs> <laughs> it's brilliant so good well yeah and and so jack nicholson's first major scene is him finding out about what's happening with santiago and the fact that he um he wants to be transferred off and he's falling behind on all of his runs and everything and it starts with him saying well we're not going to transfer him off we train marines here and you know we don't want him to be somebody else's problem he's our problem so let, let's make him better um so it's like if you were a first time watcher you'd be thinking oh so he hasn't done it what's happened here um but obviously we know that's not the case yeah exactly and and he says to Kiefer Sutherland um I want him to be 4646 you know Otherwise, I'll I'll kill you. I think it's, it's what you voice noted me the other day, yeah. yesterday. Um, and four six four six is right. So they have ratings. You know, they do like kind of continuous evaluations and ratings of their soldiers, and it's up to five, but like five point zero. So he was expecting to be four point six because four point six is considered excellent. So four point six and above would be excellent. So yeah, that's what the four six four six meant. Nice. Just for con- just for context. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Um, and so are we we're like back in court at this point and going through different witnesses. Um, and I guess really it heats up again where Markinson reappears in the back of Kathy's car. Like we could jump to that part, right? And he has information and knows about. Um, you know, there was the doctored uh, transcripts or transfer order and... Oh, wait, hang on. Have we skipped... We've skipped the the lunch, which is important. <laughs> yes. So, obviously, we have uh, Kendrick, Kiefer Sutherland, Jessup, Jack Nicholson and um, JT Walsh, uh, Markinson all together. And then, you know, our three, our favourite three all turn up to kind of sit there, have lunch with them, ask a couple of questions about the case. And there's that perfect moment where um, Kathy's talking, he's talking about this, that and the other, trying to get information out of Jack Nicholson. And Jack Nicholson just giving him one word answers, just like, yep, okay. And he's just like, well, you know, if there's any information that you want to share with me, sir, you know, and kind of fill in the blanks and he's like okay <laughs> and gives him nothing just like cool steely you know colonel nathan jessup just will give no shits about you you are insignificant to him because he is who he is so yeah well um, what a great scene and then it, it it turns there's like a sour taste and it's mostly because of um, Joanne when she starts like really probing about the code red situation and he says on the record no you know discourages it tells them they can't do it on the record it's kind of how you make better soldiers you know let let soldiers manage you, you know the soldier um, other soldiers and, and make like marines kind of manage other marines and, and turn them into better 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 marines basically you know like like the one we see in in the in the courtroom that said his the gun slipped out of his hand you know he got he got a batter in and then it had his hands glued so he's never made that mistake again and you know that's what it's all about corrective action but just in such a nasty way 
But let me ask you this question. Maybe this is just me being dense with military knowledge. But what is the difference between a regular soldier and a marine? Or is there no difference? So the US Marine Corps is a is, is a like a branch of the military. So you have um so let's say you have army navy air force you know marines so on and so forth so although they that like marine would imply water they're actually a, a, an amphibious uh kind of unit so please forgive me anyone if like a lot of this is wrong but you know this is my understanding of it um and they basically do operations on land but get their by water <laughs> essentially um so that's why when um kendrick says to kathy you know oh yeah i love all you navy boys you whenever we're going somewhere you you kind of give us a ride um uh, and then they kind of j- jump off and do their operations but they're such a um like kind of revered uh branch of the military because they're you know the the things that they do to to be a marine and to be in the marines are kind of like to like an extreme point um not to say that if you're in any other branch of the military that you don't you know work hard at it or put you know you're all into it but there's kind of that that cult kind of mentality again it's just like the the whole core thing and their values um and yeah they they live by those values and and kind of that cree as it is but it's a it's a branch of the military that's kind of linked or fairly closely linked to the navy interesting thank you well uh, you may step down from the stand Uh, (laughs) the um well it then turns again when kathy just says oh also colonel can i get a copy of that transcript and he's like yeah i'll give you the transcript and it it says some other things uh he says um i need you to ask me nicely and yeah. it's that switch. And in later it's referenced in the film that Kathy did that on purpose to see what his reaction was going to be, to see if there was anything that he was trying to hide there, like he was playing him. And this already shows that uh, the colonel has this inherent disdain for Kathy or people like him. I want to hear you say please with your Harvard mouth or whatever he says in that uh because he thinks he's entitled and he's privileged and he's out here you know trying to save lives as we'll hear later um and so it's a great moment but also a horrible moment of tension yeah it's really awkward and then it's at that point that he he notices that you know um galloway outranks him and it makes horrible comments about it and you know there's nothing better than um you know having to salute uh, get, in the morning kind of salute in the morning you know or like whatever salute her and then yeah wake up in the morning and yeah it, it's some really like awkward comments and like, just because of the hierarchy of, of the military and stuff she just can't say anything back really it's just there's just nothing she can do nothing she can say it's just she's just taking that on the chin and yeah she just kind of she wants to keep asking those questions and keep probing and Kathy's like no no we need to get away from this situation because it's turning really really sour and then yeah he has has the like you know oh can we have the the kind of transfer paperwork and he's like 
you know, asked me nicely. And then it's like really horrible. And that's where the rivalry really, really begins. But I can't help but feel that there's two occasions in the film at that point. And then in the court scene, after everything's happened and we've got to the resolution, they're standing looking at each other. So you're obviously sitting when they're at lunch at Guantanamo. But at the end, in the court scene, they're looking at each other and there's almost this acknowledgement of, okay, you got me. Like, there's almost like a respect there. Like, mm. when he calls him a huge son of a bitch, there's like a bit of respect. And I don't know whether I just misread it because then he turns away and he's got that like disdain. He's like, you, you fuck with the wrong Marine, that whole bit. <laughs> but, um, yeah. I'll piss uh, into the eye suckers of your dead skull. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just this, this stare that he gives him. And it's just almost a look of, oh, okay, there's like an acknowledgement there. Okay, you, you got me on this one. Yeah, I would love to know what happened to him. I mean, we have to assume he would face the charge, but it'd be it's almost like one of them ones where you want the text to come up and seven years later the colonel blah de blah de blah de blah blah. I mean, I know it's not a documentary, but yes, interesting. Um so like we said, if we jump forward with uh Markinson that ends really sadly because he takes his he takes his own life um and so he he feels like he's dishonored himself and and the core so he decides that you know the right thing to do is to shoot himself unfortunately and he writes that letter to say to santiago's family to say that he wasn't strong enough to Mm -hmm. to intercept it so that's really sad and I mean it would have it would have solved so many issues had he not done that wouldn't it yes <laughs> yes yes it would have it's so so much easier but never mind you gotta hand it to those marshals <laughs> yeah god yeah well and and then really we're now at a point where there's like we're we're revving up to the end of the trial and we have to you have to get Jessup on the stand but Kathy's running the risk of Holt being held in contempt for uh, going at a senior officer without having any actual evidence. The only thing he can really do is is to get him to confess. Well, we've got the added weight um, and issues with Dawson. Like, there's that disrespect or lack of respect, let's say, not disrespect. And, you know, he won't salute Kathy when he leaves the room when they're in, like, the sort of interrogation room or whatever. And so all of this is leading in to the final part of the trial, to the the climax of the movie where we're bringing in Jack Nicholson, the colonel, has been subpoenaed. Yeah, and not to forget that we've had... Um, so Lieutenant Jonathan Kendrick's been on on the stand and Dr. Stone as well. They've They've been... And they were both, like, shaken up by Kathy they both had like a a bit of a bad experience you know um so Ken, Kendrick's Keith Sutherland's character is um you know a bit knocked because essentially uh he's been questioned on other things that happened where you know um Dawson had made some decisions and he was like he's you know he's not kind of qualified to make those decisions he's there to follow orders and he broke um he broke the rules and he was punished for it um and and this is where we're starting to like really dig deep and obviously the doctor goes even even before Kendrick um and he really puts the doctor on pressure and uh, under pressure sorry um to kind of prove that the doctor is a bit of a 
you know buffoon and there's there's coercion and the only thing that gets me is that there's no mention of the doctor later on like oh, beyond that beyond that point so when you know we get to the climax there's no um mention of him again but never mind there's but a yes lot, there's a lot going on dom there's a lot happening colonel jessup bosh he's in he's sworn in i love the way his arm goes up as well when he's getting sworn in <laughs> raise your right hand sir and it's just there like bosh just like super quick ready to go raise his right hand and i love that kathy had said before like in the prep that he wants to say it he wants to feel like he is that untouchable that he can say yeah i made an order i made a decision and it's all of that just put just got to be pushed far enough and in the right way and i love how he brings in as like a chess move or like a poker move of raising the ante the the like fake witnesses well they're not fake but the ground crew for the flight that you know did happen but they're saying never happened and that they were only going to ever say on the stand that they know nothing but having them there and making a point so that the colonel can see them there to make him think that well i'm gonna get found out anyway i might as well just say it and own it and i'm untouchable anyway or adding all of that extra pressure and mind games so good love it <laughs> it's brilliant I, I just remembered you know the line uh, you know i um as he sits 300 yards away from 4,000 Cubans the one to kill him apparently when Tom Cruise did that line he improvised the impression of Jack Nicholson so the reaction of um, like Demi Moore and, and Kevin Pollock and it, a genuine reaction because they didn't know he was going to do it it's a really it's a good impression mm, it's a good moment so yeah, I thought he I'd does the he quick. does the face with it as well <laughs> like, yeah gotta do the you know <laughs> everything's just like elongated isn't it (laughs) and we didn't mention i wrote it to you earlier in a message so we're gonna say on the podcast that when uh kathy gets his bat back and then he's like saying he comes up with an idea of something and then lieutenant weinberg says he does think better with that bat i love that line (laughs) it's just perfectly pitched okay so we've got the colonel on the stand um and it's revving up there's lots of questions back and forth um and i love the part where there's like a moment where kathy has to make the choice to am i gonna go there like could ruin his his career could ruin everything um and the and he just sort of freezes for a minute and the colonel just sort of gets up and it's like okay thanks danny yep good to see you whatever and then he's like, I didn't dismiss you. What? I still have more questions. And it's just like, he's, you can see he's doing it on purpose to rile him up of just being like a snotty shitbag. But he's doing <laughs> it to him. He's Jack Nicholson is seeing him as a snotty shitbag. We're seeing him as the hero. Um, it's wonderful because it's just wonderful how he's just playing him and winding him up yeah it's just pushing him to that limit of you know i mean he even looks at at joanne and sam and and they're like both shaking their heads like don't do it don't go for him and he goes and fills up his water glass and he's shaking you know because this is this is it if he gets this wrong and he doesn't admit it and he doesn't say anything he he's you know in a court martial he could end up in jail himself 
So and you know, Dawson it, and Downey are going to get like twelve years, or that was the plea. So they'd probably that, get more than that, right? Yeah, probably twenty plus. You know, each. So yeah, crazy, absolutely crazy, isn't it? And he's just absolutely panicking. He's shit himself, and he decides if I just keep winding him up and go for the jugular, I, I can, I think I can, I can get what we want. I can, I can get it out of him. And then he traps him. He traps him in the. You know, if you if your orders were for Santiago to never be touched and your orders are always followed, then why would he need to be transferred? And it's the bit when he's like, that's not what I said. And he's like, no, I can, you know, I said danger. I said grave danger. Is there any other type? No, he's, do, do I need, should I get it read back to you? And he's like, I don't need it read back. Like I'm, and he's just continuing to go over <laughs> him. You know, it's like he's one step ahead. I said danger, grave danger. Is there any other type? You know, it's so good. And the whole crystal, you know, are we clear? Crystal. Like a lot. It's yeah. so good. <laughs> but then we then we get to it, right? And it's like, uh, you doctored the phony transcripts and you cut these guys loose. You know, it's like starting to rev up. And then shall we do it, Dom? Do you want to do it? You know I want to do it. Do you want to ask the question? I'll, I'll be... Do you want uh, I'll be Judge Randolph and then Colonel Jessup? Hang on. <laughs> All right, from the top. Yeah. Yes, I would like to. I'll, I'll start with the first line then, yes. Ready? I'm ready. I'm going to try my best. Okay. Colonel Jessup, did you order the code red? You don't have to answer that. I'll answer the question. You want answers? I think I'm entitled to them. You want answers? I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Son, we live in a world that has walls, and those walls have to be guarded by men with guns. Who's going to do it? You? You, Lieutenant Weinberg? I have a greater responsibility than you could possibly fathom. You weep for Santiago, and you curse the Marines. You have that luxury. You have the luxury of not knowing what I know. That Santiago's death, while tragic, probably saved lives. And my existence, while grotesque and incomprehensible to you, saves lives. You don't want the truth because deep down in places you don't talk about at parties, you want me on that wall. You need me on that wall. We use words like honor, code, loyalty. We use these words as the backbone of a life spent defending something. You use them as a punchline. I have neither the time nor the inclination to explain myself to a man who rises and sleeps under the blanket of the very freedom that I provide and then questions the manner in which I provide it. I would rather you just said thank you and went on your way. Otherwise, I suggest you pick up a weapon and stand the post. Either way, I don't give a damn what you think you're entitled to. Did you order the code red? I did the job. Did you order the code red? You're goddamn right I did. The colonel has rights. <laughs> he does. He does how, indeed. How did it feel? Felt good. You really, told, you really told me off, but I got you. I got you in the end, you son of a bitch. <laughs> it's what so a great good. Film. Such is, a good wait, film. wait, well, we haven't finished yet. The, like, some of the lines in there, I can't. You know, it's affected you if you hear a word just in everyday life, and it just instantly will bring you back to the film. If I ever were to hear the word 
inclination. That's all I'm ever going to think of. And I love the way his voice changes when he's like, pick up a weapon and stand a post. Either way, I don't give a damn what you think you are entitled to. And the bit that I love about that as well is because it's so perfectly written right the dialogue it's all so perfect but it's like it's a perfect essay question because he comes back and answers the question right at the end because kathy says um he says you want answers he says i think i'm entitled to them and so the whole thing comes back i don't give a damn what you think you are entitled to it's like so perfect and then he just pushes in that one extra step and he does it, and he says it, and there's just that moment where a pin could drop that no one can believe he's actually said it. It's happened. I don't think he doesn't even realise the gravity of what he's just done himself. Uh, it's it, Exactly. It's just it's that shock moment, isn't it? Even uh, Kevin Bacon at that point is just, like, gone. He He's just like, oh, my God. He got it out of him. He's, he's fucking... How? How did he do that? Well, first of all, like, what a scumbag is this colonel that I kind of, you know, someone that he probably looks up to and is quite revered. Um, uh, and then all of a sudden he's just admitted that he ordered, you know, his lieutenant to tell his soldiers to go and kill another, you know, Marine. Um, I mean, obviously not kill them, but give them the code red that leads to, leads to his death. Um, and it's just like... How? How have we got to this point? Is it, you know, if anything, Kathy should be in like handcuffs and being dragged away by the MPs. But no, this is, this is what's, this is what's happening. It's it's crazy. What? It's just a fantastic film. I just urge anyone anyone to go and watch it <laughs> if they haven't seen it ever, honestly, and and then watch it again. Just watch it again. If you're part of our RavensHoops.net family, then underneath the announcement, potentially there is a link somewhere to watch it there might be somewhere you can find to watch it yeah potentially potentially uh allegedly so but then (laughs) so now the uh the colonel is sort of taken under um arrest by the guards and he doesn't even understand what's going on he's like trying to walk out of the room like i'm going back to to my post and then he realizes and uh gets angry at Kathy you fuck with the wrong marine (laughs) (laughs) and goes for him really goes for him as well has to be held back by two you know really big guys I love the I love the sound when he's been held back and then he composes himself and he pulls his like sort of uniform back down it makes a perfect noise all you did here is weaken the country today Kathy so good so good yeah what a great moment what a fantastic ending and then yeah uh, uh, and then we have the moment where um we get to the the kind of ruling the 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 judgment i suppose their judgments yep and uh they're found you know not guilty of um manslaughter is it and murder uh, conspiracy to commit manslaughter um but they are found guilty of um conduct un Un- unbecoming of, of a, a marine. marine yeah yeah uh and then they're basically sentenced to time already served and dishonorably discharged from the marines and this is the you know harold you don't need to wear stripes on your arm to have honor oh my gosh well before that hang on before that downey 
is saying... Uh, <laughs> we, we did nothing wrong. What did we do wrong? We did nothing wrong. <laughs> yes, we did. And, and then he just brings him up. He's like, yes, we did. We were supposed to protect people like Willie. Oh, my God, that breaks my heart when he says that. And the fact that he wasn't even an actor, I can't even believe it, but that <laughs> that line breaks my heart. Um, because, yeah, they were... Supp- and, and so Lieutenant Weinberg got to see that as well and see that, no, they get it. They are... They, they are good guys that did a bad thing, and that happens, you know. And for sadly and tragically for Santiago, of course. But then, yeah, when Dawson's leaving and Kathy says, "You don't have to have a badge on your arm to to have on a turn hut." There's an officer in the room. On deck. Damn it, Dominic! You could have just let me have it. So just go on, just do it one no, more time. No, it's done. Do it, do it, go on. No, go on. no, you do it. Oh, are you sad now? But I didn't do anything wrong, <laughs> Harold. <laughs> we, we, we did nothing wrong. What does it mean? <laughs> just want my comic books, Harold. <laughs> oh, I swear this kid has no idea what's going on. <laughs> when, do we, when can we go back to the unit? I don't know, when your trial for murder's over. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the answer would be never. <laughs> I was actually going to ask that. So I assume I know the answer. But if you're dishonorably discharged, is there ever a point where you could like reapply and sort of start again from the bottom? Or are you done with all military forever? I think you're done. Yeah, there's That's no the, like no, give it a few no years one. and go back as a private. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't think anyone's going to gonna. gonna take you on with a dishonorable discharge because right. it's a, they're, it's they're usually linked to some sort of crime or infraction so so, so normally if you leave it is it called an honorable discharge yes it's just like cool you've done your time and you're out okay yeah and when people sign up for the military do they have to sign up for a certain amount of time they say i will do three years or something like that yeah, so I, I I don't know like the exact rules, but there's there's usually uh, a set amount of time. So I think for like the Royal Navy over here, I think it's three years. Uh, did you Minim- as minimum. some as someone that's like so into military films and history and everything? Did you ever consider joining any faction of the military when you were younger? Not to say you're too old, but you're also my friend, and I won't allow you to be in danger like that. I've thought about it when I'm older. Like the 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 age that there's so there's an age limit there's a minimum age limit of when you can sign up, um, and the age limit is is much higher for the navy than than you mean max else. you mean maximum age, yeah yeah sorry the maximum age of when you can so join what, what's the maximum age? It's thirty two. Oh, so we're out. We 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 can't join any of them now. But I thought I did think about it in my th- like early thirties maybe late twenties. Which which faction would it have been it would have had to be the navy because it would have been too oh, right 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 years. but i mean we okay but so yeah you would have done it crazy maybe i don't know i only say crazy because i'd be, be so scared like i think it's a very honorable thing to do and i have so much respect for it i would just be terrified like i am just a wimpus but you're a beautiful wimpus behind you our wimpus behind thank you behind the uh 
the fabric of freedom of which I provide, and then questions the manner in which I provide it. I'd rather <laughs> you just pick up a podcast mic and have a conversation. Either way, I don't give a damn what you're saying on your podcast. <laughs> Dad, is that you? <laughs> this is perfect. <laughs> um. So okay, and there, uh, and there we go, and then it and. Kathy's the last one in the courtroom looks around and almost like plays back to that point that he did finally see inside of a courtroom and I'm sure he's probably thinking you know it's just like following in his dad's footsteps but in his own way and then it actually comes up with the end in like cursive yeah. writing which kind of threw me a little bit like oh good it could have just faded it, to black to the credits but it's like the end oh, okay like a yeah, Disney movie I, I, I wonder if they did that because it was because it was a play and it was just like, that's kind of how you end a play, isn't it? But curtains. I wasn't sure. Yeah. Well, is there... I, I always find it strange as well. It's just like, yeah, kind of a graphic of the end appears, doesn't it? Like written on. Yeah. But yeah, brilliant. Well, anything else to discuss before we take it to judgment land? No, I, I, I think it's a fantastic film where we can capture anything else in our judgments. But if you like this podcast... How could you not? For real, come on. And please, please rate, review, subscribe. Where can they do all that, Simon? You tell me. Well, if they go to ravenshoops.net, they they can find all our Patreon information and, and sign up and, you know, look at all the wonderful extra content things that we have on there and support us. We've got so many wonderful people uh, that support us already and we would love some more. So, yeah, please, please go to ravensoups.net, uh, have a little look at our stuff there. And, yeah, we've got loads of movies, uh, a few TV shows, but loads of extra content and other stuff um, and lots of One Tree Hill. But if you're not into that, look at the other stuff, you know. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, why do marines go through hoops they do <laughs> oh, they can. Say, what, do, what what do marines go through <laughs> hoops but they also go through nets raven soup star net but they actually do <laughs> like in their <laughs> obstacle courses and stuff they have to go through hoops and through nets and all kinds of things that actually made sense yeah, yeah. <laughs> for once right simon let's go into judgments who mm-hmm. was your favorite performer I think if you'd asked me this like 10 years ago, I would have probably just naturally gravitated to Jack Nicholson. And he is wonderful. Let's not get that twisted. Amazing. He has the bit with the most rewatch value for sure. Like that clip, Mm. just watch it over and over again. But I think the real performance of the movie has to go to Tom Cruise. So good. For all the reasons we've already said. Uh, What about you? Who is your favourite performer? Uh, it's really difficult, even like uh, Kevin Pollock, Jack Nicholson, Demi Moore. But yes, I am going to agree with you, my friend. It is going to go to Tom Cruise. Just the, the just the, the emotions, the up and down, the the back, like the back and forth kind of um, re- repartee that he has with everyone. Just everything is just brilliant. So yeah, Tom Cruise. Uh, and what about who's your favorite character of the film? My favorite character is going to be. You, you, Lieutenant Weinberg. <laughs> because I just love, he's so supportive. I love his uh, perspective. And he's probably the person that would be most like me in real life if I was in this film. 
um you know he's pushing a, a pram at one point as well it's where like, yeah this this is me in the film so uh not to be completely self-absorbed um and make it like well i see me in a film so it must be my favorite character but no i i liked his sen- <laughs> sensibilities and particularly the sentiments of they picked on a kid on a weakling you know i really like enjoyed that so yeah he's my favorite character what about yours um well i think sam is fantastic and the the pushing in the pram bit it when um he says look she said pa and he's like she's pointing at a mailbox sam (laughs) um and even when somebody asks when they're in their like morning briefing somebody says oh how's your daughter doing and she you know how's she getting on he's like i think she's gonna say something she's gonna talk any any day now she kind of looks like she has something to say and it's just like really nice moments like that from him um but um i think i'm gonna go with um oh i don't know i was gonna go with jessup but i think i'm gonna go with kathy i'm gonna go daniel kathy i think he's brilliant character played brilliantly kind of figures figures things out relies like heavily on the other two as well but really pushes in that last sort of scene to the limit and really goes for it and yeah it's just brilliant so it's gonna go to him and who is your favorite background performer one line or motherfucking less it's <laughs> difficult man i i'm gonna go with the guard on the right that holds screen right all right um that's holding the colonel when he's uh you fought with the wrong marine <laughs> at that point nice and you someone from um, the jury with... this is from the jury no i'm gonna go with aunt jenny <sighs> yes she has cool. one line she's in much, the whole film much younger than we thought how was her line uh oh that's what she yeah. says that's he goes, literally it yeah but he, he, said, he, he says he says you're yeah go on uh, yeah, he says uh, you're you're like much much younger than what I was expecting, and she says so are you. Yeah, that's literally it. That's all she says. Great line. So yeah, uh, I did toy with the idea of the sergeant who's outside and lets them in and out of the the little room when they're interviewing their uh, defendants. But yeah, I went with Aunt Jenny. Uh, what was your favourite line of the film? Now people are going to think me odd for this. I think. But my favourite line is not, you can't handle the truth. My actual favourite line is, I want the truth. And that sounds silly, but it's because it's what, that is what the whole film has been building to. And I don't mean in terms of him, of the colonel admitting or admitting what the truth is. But Kathy just wants the truth. He just wants what actually happened. Like, at this point, it's beyond anything else. It's just, I just want to know the truth. And so I love the line of, you want answers? It's like, I think I'm entitled to them. And it's like the build-up. It's like, you want answers? I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Which, you can't handle the truth must be one of the most famous lines in cinematic history. If there's like a top 100 lines, it's got to be in there, 100%. yeah, it was it was a list done a long time ago, but it was ninety seven in the top one hundred. Okay, it's I, in I, there. I, I found out. <laughs> it's in there, baby. I found out. It's in it's there. In there. Uh, but yeah, so not you can't handle the truth. I like the line. I want the truth. And what is yours? It's, it's really difficult to pick. There's so many good lines. Like um, 
the lie lie pants on fire line is always one that stands out for me so like um when galloway says the doctor's wrong and he's like oh what a relief i was afraid i wouldn't be able to use the lie lie pants on fire defense you know just that <laughs> fantastic moment i also think the um when the it, he's drunk and he comes back and he's pissed and he, he says um it, it basically just says oh and what have we got for the winners you know it's yeah oh, that <laughs> um, whole bit is so good yeah, his acting for the is defendants, so good it's t- 20 years in exotic fort leavenworth and for you know councillor caffey it's um a dishonorable discharge and you know teaching typewriter maintenance at the rocco club or whatever school for the galactically insane or something like that it like, literally goes on and on and on but that that's a brilliant line um uh, I, I'm gonna. Do you know what? I'll just settle with you can't handle the truth. There's just there's too many to choose from. But I will go with you can't handle the truth because why not? Um, and yes, well, favorite song there there weren't really any, so we'll just we'll just skip past that, and we'll go with our precious precious rating. So Simon, do you want to do objective subjective or just go in with one full? smack bang wallop rating i mean i can go with one because i like i don't really have a subjective rating in terms of i didn't watch it when i was a a child or anything like that i watched it when i was in my mid-20s already so um yeah yeah i'm happy to go with one but also happy to go with two if you'd rather that let's go with the one i think one is good Um, um did you have a number before we start this podcast i sure did and did it increase, decrease, or stay the same? The same. It was never going <laughs> to change. Did you? It was never going to change. I did. I did. I had a number. Stayed the same. It will always be the same, in my opinion. Um, Is this going to be the, we'll the least tense rating reveal ever? That we've ever given. <laughs> Probably. But we'll do it on three anyway. Are yes. you ready? Yes. What? Let's go. One, two, three. Ten. Ten. Well. There we go. <laughs> Beautiful. The judge Beautiful. has said that we are not guilty of discrediting <laughs> this film or giving it anything less than a ten. Because that's and what it deserves. Honourably discharged. Honourably. Yes. Honourably. Honourably. You did but your yeah, time. People, if you've, if you've made it this far and for whatever reason you don't agree that it's a ten... Let us know. Yeah, we want to find out. Go to ravensoups.net and you can talk to us there or, you know, socials, wherever. So go to Instagram, Ravens Podcast. Find us. Tell us what you think. And thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. And yeah, we, we I quite happily talk about this film forever and a day. And to be honest, we didn't even cover everything in the film. We just talked a lot about what we loved. Um, and that's what we like to do. So if you like talking about the film, then yeah, drop us a message uh, and we'll happily carry on that conversation. <laughs> forever. Yeah. So Simon, um, we're going to have to do the the Ravens on three. But because I've kind of led the podcast and I don't tend to do it that often, no. I think I should make you do a voice. Oh my God. Or something silly. I can't do so, voices. This is the opportunity well, for you to do the Jack Nicholson voice. I'll do whatever voice you want, but you, you, can you also do the Jack Nicholson voice? Well, th- this is my opportunity to make you do the Jack Nicholson voice. 
So I want you to to do Ravens on three, one, two, three, in your best Jack Nicholson impression. And then we'll go Ravens, and then we'll go. Any (laughs) voice I do will just come out sounding like Irish or... Yee! Or just yee! How it... (laughs) Inclination... Saves lives. No, I just can't. I'll do my best. I'll do my best. That's all we can ever ask for, my friend. Okay, Dom, are you ready to pick up a weapon? And stand the post. <laughs> I'm ready. It's good. It's good. I'm ready. You yeah, want right. me on that? Oh, why did we not say that as a best line? You want me on that wall? You need me on that wall? We should have. Considering you send me that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> when when Dom ever asks me, it says like. Uh, do you, you want to play football this week? I'll just send him the gif of You want me on that wall You need me on that wall <laughs> Perfect It's perfect Okay Stand the post We're going to say Ravens aren't free You ready private? Yes sir One Two You can't handle the truth free Ravens! Ravens. 